say if uh, the dog head logo, because that uh, that last promo made me think of this. If the dog head logo wins for midfield, we just need to tear the stadium down as a, as a whole city. I mean, that thing is terrible. I didn't like the whole gimmicky choose a new logo for the team anyway thing that they did and let the fans decide and design it and all this different stuff. Again, I'll take whatever logo you want me to accept if you start winning football games. I'll take whatever color scheme you want me to accept if you start winning football games. I do not care. But... I don't, like, I just, I, I never was a fan of that dog logo. That dog logo was fine. I liked the fi- the other finalists better. I just think it's, I mean, I don't know. It's not great. Just stick with the elf. Try to establish some sort of brand here. If you're going to do, if the elf is your thing, then let the elf be the thing. And just leave it there like you did last year. Let people sort of get more familiar with it. And they'll know, okay, the elf is a Browns thing. Great. Perfect. And leave it at that. I don't even know. I forget when the... Does it end next week? The voting on that poll? Does anybody know? I don't know. 216-474-0092. I don't know who caught this during the broadcast. But, um... Deshaun Watson... On News 5, which, speaking of News 5, we will connect with John Doss in about an hour and 14 minutes from now from News Channel 5, uh, sports director there. But he had a conversation during the game with Aditi Kinkabwala, who obviously does a tremendous job. We love Aditi, and I think she does great work. And so she's doing this in-game interview, and she asks Nick Nick Chubb. She asks Deshaun Watson about why this offense is better suited for him and catered to him. And he didn't go as far as to say running backs don't matter, but it kind of felt like he was stopping himself from trying to disparage the offense being about the run game the last couple of years. And I just found it interesting because we've talked a lot about this, right? We've talked about how people want Nick Chubb to get the ball 25, 26, 27 times, and they think that's how the Browns are going to win football games. And I've been trying to say, and others have been trying to say, the reason they invested in Deshaun Watson, gave him $230 million guaranteed, and brought him in with all the baggage that he brought with him is because they think that he gives them a better chance to win. And so naturally... You're going to build an offense around him. This offense is not going to be about Nick Chubb. That's also opened up the can of worms as to why I think Nick Chubb might not be a Brown much longer. Now, maybe they do re-up with him. I don't know. When you're prioritizing positions, I don't know if he's here beyond this year if they financially just can't do it when you know the offense is catered to Deshaun Watson. But he kind of reopened that conversation with these comments. Let's play the clip. Here's what he had to say last night with Aditi. Kevin Stefanski said that his favorite plays are your favorite plays. Why is this offense so catered to you? Um, because I think he wants to be, you know, this offense is ran through the quarterback. I think for a while, of course, you know, 24 was the, the guy. You know, he had the ball off 20-something times, but after a while, you know, it kind of puts a toll on the running back, any running back. We still want to do that, but I think he wants to put everything 
only through me because I can be the coach on the field and get us in the right place that he wants he want us to get into and um, you know, have a little bit of fun doing it too. Audio courtesy in News Channel 5. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this is basically the crux of the, the whole conversation that we had throughout the offseason about the future of Nick Chubb and how valuable he really was. And Because, again, there, I understand it. I, I am on the record saying that Nick Chubb is my favorite Browns player. I freaking love Nick Chubb. If he could be a Brown for life, I hope he's a Brown for life. But I also realize the... Reality of the NFL, the evolution, not even the evolution, the life cycle of certain positions in the NFL, like the running back position, is that you sometimes get a second contract if you're worth it. You rarely get the third big contract, and you can win Super Bowls and accomplish a lot of things without a great running back. You don't need it to win. It's the reason why they went out and got Deshaun Watson. They were going to always, at some point, cater this offense and build this offense around him because that's what you need to win at this level. I can't begrudge them for that. But I thought it was interesting to hear Deshaun basically admit, like, yeah, I think the last few years it was through 24. And he stopped short of being like, we don't want to do that anymore. He he even added, like, we still want to run the football. But I am the general on the field and I think I can do some things with this offense that's, that that coach wants me to do. Or something along those lines. What he, I'm paraphrasing, but you heard the clip there. That's basically what he said. And he's right. In the NFL in 2023, the quarterback is the name of the game. If you have an elite one, if you have a great one, if you have a top 10 one, which many of us think Deshaun Watson can be that, then, you have, then you're in the conversation. You have entered the group chat for Super Bowl contenders. I don't think the Browns are there. We're just having Nick Chubb in the backfield. And he can cite that it takes some of the pressure off him and he takes less hits and all these different things. We've spent years arguing that he was already taking less hits because he was splitting time with Kareem Hunt, right? Oh, well, this is a great two-headed backfield to have because they're both kind of spelling each other and it's going to prolong Nick Chubb's career. That's all fine and good. But that doesn't mean it's going to be prolonged here with the Browns if they can't pay him and... Deshaun Watson is the focal point of the offense. I found the clip interesting because there are so many people who I think try to deny the fact that Deshaun is the most important piece of this this offense. They want it to be Nick Chubb for a lot of different reasons, but it's just not him anymore. And that is when you then can dive into the conversation or, you know, Explore the conversation about if this offense does revolve around Deshaun Watson, as he even admitted. He was not shy about admitting why this this offense needs to be built around him and why they're taking the pressure off of Nick Chubb and why he's the one who gets to call the shots and be the general and why it's being catered to him versus other offenses they've run in the past here in Cleveland. But I think this is why you can explore the conversation about what that means for Nick Chubb long-term. I'm not telling you to kiss Nick Chubb goodbye because it's definitely going to happen. I shouldn't say it that way. I'm not telling you to kiss Nick Chubb goodbye because in the big, bad boogeyman media, 
talking heads who just can't have nice things and can't enjoy the Browns and is always negative and trying to say that Nick Chubb doesn't deserve to be here and you're trying to run him out of town. That is not what I'm trying to do. Like I said, I would love for Nick Chubb to be here for the entirety of his career. All I'm saying is it wouldn't surprise me if he's not because the Browns finally went out and got the quarterback that they think is going to write the ship for them and be the general, as he to use some of his own terminology, Deshaun Watson's terminology, to lead them and to, to that next level that they haven't been able to unlock to this point. And that's life in the NFL in 2023. I don't want to see Nick Chubb go. But when you hear all offseason about how the offense has been catered to Deshaun, and you hear Deshaun in that clip talk about why it was catered to him and what he can do in an offense that's catered to him and sort of diminish the role of the running back in it, not completely by saying we don't need him, but making it clear that, like, yeah, we they, they tried that. He essentially said they tried that here the last couple of years. Now we're trying this, to put it in the layman's terms. It's not hard to connect the dots and face the reality that it's a possibility that Nick Chubb won't be here. Again, I'm not saying this to run him out of town. I'm not saying this to ruin your Friday night if you're off enjoying yourself and having a nice start to the weekend. I'm just saying I'm trying to prepare you. Same way I'm trying to prepare you for the reality that Donovan Mitchell might not be here much longer either with the in a, in a Cavs uniform. 216-474-0092. Did you catch that clip from Deshaun Watson? Did you find it as interesting as I did in him talking about why the offense now revolves around him instead of the run game? When we get back, I promise to talk about some other observations from last night, some other thoughts on the Browns at this point in the preseason. And I got to tell you, Cage York didn't do much to ease my mind last night. But I do feel better about a specific position group on this roster way more than I did even going into that game last night. We talk about it next on The Fan. An hour from now, we got John Doss. 40 minutes from now, we got The Fan Focus. An hour and 40 minutes from now, we have Hot Take Friday. I know Jake's probably stewing up some hot takes. He's always got some good ones. We always leave here blasphemed by something that Jake says in, on Hot Take Friday. Jax, this is what, your third time doing this? Second, Third or fourth. Yeah. Third or fourth? Okay. I was going to say, I know you've been here a couple times for it, so I know he's working on a few. I have mine. I've been plotting mine for a couple weeks now, so I, I promise you there's some good ones. One actually is going to tie us back to Wednesday's show when I had John Fanta on. If you missed the interview, well, I'm going to tell you to listen to the whole thing. It was a very good conversation. He talked some Guardians and how this is the most disappointing or frustrating season in uh, the last two decades for the Guardians um, or for the franchise, but... We talked a lot of Browns. He talked about Cade York being an issue. At the very end, though, he's got his wedding coming up, and I asked him a very important question that I needed to know. I would have very much had to reconsider my feelings about John Fanta, depending on his answer, but he, he gave us the right answer to the question. So it's going to kind of relate back to that conversation, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sharing that hot take with you 
during Hot Take Friday. I'll tell you this. Cage York did not do much to make me feel better last night. It's kind of funny how it works, too. Like, again, I don't believe that Nick fully believes everything he was saying on Afternoon Drive today about Cage York and trying to defend him and how he can wait around and all this different stuff. But I do think that... Um. But I do think he he's he's not completely wrong and 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 wondering or asking people you know didn't we see some progress last night? I think that's probably fair. If you see him make three field goals and an extra point when he was missing all, all his field goals prior, yes, there's a little bit of progress made there. But you know, in a sport and in a world that is very much what have you done for me lately. When you miss the field goal that wins you the game, that can go out the window. And I don't necessarily look. If it was one time, I wouldn't sit there and overreact. But the evidence at this point on K. York is that he's not hitting any of these most of these kicks in key spots. And even when they're not in key spots, they're just normal times so that the game is missing them. So when I do all the math on it, it's concerning. But I'm sorry, like, that's just the harshness of the business of sports. You're going to be the hero for, you could be the hero for three quarters, and then you throw the game-losing interception, and you become the GOAT. Not that type of GOAT, not greatest of all time GOAT. Like, GOAT is in, oh my goodness, speaking of GOATs, the Guardians outfield is an absolute mess right now. Back-to-back plays where somebody... Could not locate where the ball was. What the hell is going on? Oscar Gonzalez this time overran the baseball coming in from right field. And it landed behind him. And basically Detroit scored a run because of it. Lovely. Just absolutely lovely. You love to see that. Uh, anyway. In the sports world, it's cruel. It's harsh. But... Yeah, sometimes one key moment at the end of a game that proves costly does outweigh any of the goodwill from earlier in the game because if it's the difference between winning and losing, that's how it works in sports. It's not always fair, no, but that's just how it goes. It's quite literally par for the course. Anyway, we'll come back to K-Jerk later because I didn't even talk much about the Instagram post during the during halftime, which we found out wasn't him. We'll play the Kevin Stefanski cut for you, but still just, I mean, you got to know better. Your, your, your social media team needs to know better. But what I was trying to get to beforehand was that despite my feelings about Kate York and being worried about that spot, the wide receiver room has left me feeling way more confident than I did even going into last night's game. Because I was even arguing on Wednesday that, you know, the Marquis Goodwin injury, he was supposed to be your speedster guy. I don't, not even an injury for him. It's more of just a health concern with the blood clots. I don't know when he's due back, if he's going to play it all this season. I wonder if they look at the open market once roster cutdown day comes on August 30th and, 
maybe scour the market for another speedy wide receiver that they could add into the fold here to sort of take his spot. And they very might they very well may still do that. But I tell you man, watching this group throughout the preseason. And again, you take some of it with a grain of salt cuz it's the preseason, you're going against second stringers and third stringers. I understand that. But let's just go through it real quick. We know Amari Cooper's a lock. We know Elijah Moore's a lock. Offense apparently runs through him at this point. That's what everyone keeps saying. We know DPJ is a lock. And Cedric Tillman, to me at this point, is a bona fide lock. They draft him in the third round. They're going to give him time to develop. He's also flashed a little bit here in the preseason. There's no way he's going anywhere. So you got four guys already there. And then you throw in to the mix Austin Watkins, who's had a tremendous preseason, I think at least deserves a spot. And then I guess David Bell. But then what's also interesting is Jakeem Grant is your number one returner right now, and I don't know what you're doing with him. I want to get to the question of how many receivers you think they're keeping. But as I've seen this preseason play out, and again, keeping it in context that it is the preseason, I have gone, I have done a 180 on this group because I did think, and, I, and I'll say this, maybe not a full 180 because I still do wonder a little bit about Elijah Moore and if we're going to be able to get everything out of him that they're expecting to get out of him. There's a reason he fizzled out with New York. There's a reason he wasn't part of the Aaron Rodgers with the Jets plan. I think we still could see more from DPJ. He's he's gotten better and better each and every single year, but still probably some room for growth there. I actually think Tillman feels like he's DPJ's replacement if they don't re-up him this offseason, which I'm assuming they they may not. Um but I feel pretty good about that starting group, those main four guys. Plus, if Goodwin comes back, great. And then the way Tillman's played, I feel really great about him right now. You got some of the draft experts or guys who watch Tillman more closely and know his tape suggesting that the Browns got a steal for a guy who probably would have been an earlier pick if not for some of the injuries that he experienced because – he would have he could have gone in the second round he ended up going in the third so they got a steal there Austin Watkins and again I know it's against second and third stringers has been so impressive to the point where he can't not make this roster and potentially be some sort of weapon for you deeper down the depth chart if needed and then I think David Bell has performed really well so well, I still have some reservations about the guys at the top of the roster living up to some of this hype. And if you lose Amari Cooper, I sort of panic a little bit about what's left. But that's a lot of teams in the NFL that don't have two top-flight receivers on their roster that make you feel good if, if one of them gets hurt. Only a very small handful of teams can even say they have that luxury, one of them being in the division of the Cincinnati Bengals. But... All of a sudden, and I don't mean to be hyperbolic here, but I, I, I walk away from last night's game 
feeling much better about the wide receiver position than I did. And I'm actually not as worried about that group anymore as I once was. 216-474-0092. Where are you at with the wide receiver group based on some of the preseason performances? Because I think Austin Watkins has been so impressive. It's hard not to like him as uh, as a guy to make this team. I also think Tillman has shown you a little bit of something for being the Browns' top pick this year and it being uh, out of the third round. That also gets us to the question of how many wide receivers do you think make this team? I had this. I was I was doing some reading up on this a little bit earlier. Checking out last year's roster at the cutdown day. And so last year at roster cutdown day, the Browns kept five wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, and Michael Woods. Now part of that was because they had Demetric Felton as the fifth running back that they kept. I know, they kept five running backs last year. How wild was that? Chubb, Hunt, Dearness Johnson, remember him, Jerome Ford, and Demetric Felton. And they kind of viewed Demetric Felton as that sixth wide receiver. I feel like six is kind of the standard, but because Felton right now is probably in line to be your third string running back, and I actually got a conversation. I want to get to something about that as well. Because Nathan Zagura on the broadcast last night, right here on 92 to the fan, your radio home of the Cleveland Browns, had an interesting nugget he dropped about that third running back position that we'll get to. But I think Felton's already going to be slotted in as your third running back anyway, with a chance that he gets replaced with somebody else, maybe. So it kind of opens you up after keeping five running backs last year to maybe only keep three, and then you can keep an extra wide receiver or two, obviously. And I think that's where Jakeem Grant maybe makes this roster. I honestly think sitting here today, the Browns may be poised to end up keeping seven wide receivers. One of them being Jakeem Grant because he's a special teamer. And based on what we've seen through camp in the preseason, he has been your primary returner for this team. 216-474-992. What does the wide receiver depth chart look like for you at this point in the preseason? Still one game to go. But I think a lot of these, that's like the ones, there, there aren't a lot of, major position battles on this team this year. We, we talked about this at the start of camp. Most You could go through the roster and pinpoint generally who is starting where and figure all that out. It was pretty self-explanatory. There's not a lot of true training camp position battles like we get some of these other years where we get these epic stories that are told or through the, the through Cleveland.com or that play out on Hard Knocks if your team's on it. Like There's just not a lot of that this year. But the wide receiver spots... Behind the likes of your top three to four guys has been one that I know people have had their eyes on. I think people have had their eyes on what the running back room looks like, and I think we can understand at this point Ford is going to be the direct backup to Nick Chubb. I think DTR has certainly made the quarterback, the backup quarterback conversation interesting, but most of the stuff is already kind of known and set in stone and not so much a mystery to us. But the wide receiver room is one of them. And there's a possibility that the Browns could opt for keeping 
Seven guys potentially here. I think it's obvious they're going to keep at least six. And I think if you're keeping six, David Bell probably gets the nod because he's a draft pick that, again, they're hoping turns into something and he's had a good preseason. But I think I'm kind of leaning right now that they end up keeping seven because I think they want Jakeem Grant on this team as well to be their primary returner. So, again, 216-474-992. What does the wide receiver depth chart look like right now in your eyes? And do you feel better about that group, a position that only a short time ago we were clamoring they should add DeAndre Hopkins to, and all of a sudden after this preseason I feel a lot better about it? Am I being too hyperbolic? Again, the number, 216-474-992. You can hit me up on Twitter as well. At Spencito underscore, we got the fan focus coming up at 9. After that, 920, John Doss, News Channel 5 Sports Director, joins us. We'll ask him about the Cleveland Browns. Plenty to get to on that front after last night's game. And of course, we got Hot Take Friday coming up at 10. A lot of good stuff still to come. It's Spencer German in for JP on Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Two one six four seven four double ninety two. What do you think the Browns wide receiver depth chart looks like at this point? Given what we've seen play out in the preseason, I think this is just my 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 bird's eye view of the preseason at this point that they could end up keeping seven wide receivers. If I'm being honest, at least at the we all we, we know this stuff is fluid. Roster cut down day is a very precarious situation. It, it's what do they always say, guys who survive roster cut-down day, they're not really put at that much ease because they know the very next day they could be cut again or they could still be cut for guys that become out that go out there on the market and they got to make some moves. So just because you survive the initial roster cut-down doesn't guarantee you anything. But I think sitting here today, if I'm prognosticating a what, what the depth chart's going to look like, which I do – I do have some some early workings of my 53-man roster that I'm working on in my Excel file that I created a couple years ago that I will share at some point. But I think right now when I go through the math on all this, I think I have them keeping seven wide receivers for all the reasons I laid out. But the most important thing to me is just that I feel a hell of a lot better about that position as a whole than I did even going into last night, like 24 hours ago, I still didn't know. And now I'm like, okay, I think they might be okay. I'm not saying Austin Watkins is football's next Jerry Rice or anything like that. I I think he's an okay player who got his start in the USFL, burst on the scene here, and is having a really, really impressive preseason. I mean, last night, Seven receptions for 139 yards and a touchdown and some really impressive catches at that. I can't, it's nothing to sneeze at. Guys are in the roster spot. Sometimes, and those are the cool stories in training camp, when a guy who's kind of unexpected, not supposed to do anything, fights his way to get a roster spot, you love that. And so I am very happy that he's going to get his opportunity here. But in the same breath, 
he could be a guy who makes it, and then days later you're swapping it for somebody else because, well, that's just the cruelty of roster cutdown day. But I think he's in. I think he's turned the right. I think Tillman, Tillman's a, a, a lock. The four guys I named earlier are a lock. Cooper, DPJ, uh, Moore, and Tillman are locks. And then behind that, I, I think it's David Bell. I think it's Hopkins, or Watkins, excuse me. I had DeAndre Hopkins on the brain for some reason. And I think it's, uh, why the hell can I remember anybody's name now? Um, what the hell's wrong with me? Guy who's the returner, who I was just talking about last segment. For some reason, his name escapes me now. 216-474-0092. Jakeem Grant, my goodness. How are you feeling about the wide receiver position? I'll tell you this, too. I mentioned the quarterback, the backup quarterback spot. Save a roster spot for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. There's no way they can't keep him at this point. There's just no way. Because I can tell you right now, he is not going to clear the waivers that day. He'll get scooped up by somebody almost immediately. But, man, like, the poise he plays with already, and he adds preseason, it's number twos and threes. I keep throwing that context out there to remind myself and you, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves here. But if you draft a a late-round quarterback and you're hoping – they become some sort of commodity for you and maybe something down the line that you can sort of have on your roster as a backup or whatever. He has given you everything that you would want. He's played really good football. He's looked very poised in limited action against, again, not the best players in the NFL. And he's leading competent drives. He's able to do some things with his legs. I don't think he's done enough to snag the number two spot yet in his career and thwart Josh Dobbs. And part of that, I didn't actually know this until earlier today. I heard Daryl on the uh, the morning show. And I forgot that the team fully guaranteed the $2 million of Josh Dobbs' contract. So, that certainly speaks to their feelings on him, that they're not just going to let him walk willy-nilly and, and owe him all that money. But at the same time, uh, I also think the fact that I also think the fact that they have been resting him is a pretty obvious sign of how they feel about Josh Dobbs at this point. They're not putting him out there with the twos and threes. He's rested right there alongside. Deshaun Watson every single time that Deshaun is rested, and probably rightfully so. You're trying to keep him healthy. But I, I think that certainly screams how I said this yesterday. I don't think it would be very it wouldn't be very fair to Josh Dobbs if they were like, hey, your job's on the line. Because Dorian Thompson Robinson has played so good. But you don't really get an opportunity to earn it back because we're resting you and he's gonna get all the reps. That seems kind of backwards, and I mean, I guess crazier things have happened in the NFL, but I, I think ultimately we're, this is setting the stage for the Browns to just end up keeping three running or three uh, quarterbacks on the roster. Two one six four seven four double nine two. Getting some calls on the Browns 
the game last night, DTR. Let's go to um, Josh in Grand River. You're up next in the fan. What's up, Josh? So the Cleveland Browns would be completely stupid to not keep Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He is a, phen- a phenomenal at what he is yeah. doing for how young he is. And I can already see the connection between him and Deshaun Watson and Deshaun just being a mentor for him and just overall making him a better player. Yeah, no, I, Josh, I, I think that at this point, DTR is pretty much a virtual lock. I, I Like I've been saying, I think uh, I think they're, I think we just have to assume they're keeping three quarterbacks, which obviously in today's NFL is a little abnormal. But I do think some of these teams are going to push the envelope on that and, and probably keep three because of that new emergency quarterback rule, and they might just have that guy on the roster and then make him inactive but active if needed on game days. You know what I'm saying? Yes, definitely. And then I also had a point about Cade York. When Cade York made his first three field goals, you could see everybody on the sidelines cheering and being happy. And when he missed those last two, you could just see the utter disdain and disgust in Deshaun and him going... And it's, I think going in his head, if the game's on the line and this guy misses a kick, it's not going to be my fault. It's going to be his fault. And I feel that he's going to have a heavy weigh-in on whether or not they they keep him, let him go, find somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously quarterbacks tend to have some say in things. I don't know if he's making the final decision, but you know what? You know what I'll say, Josh. I was watching the warm-up shots last night, and I saw Kay Jork, like, miss a field goal, and he had this, like, very, like, rigid sort of frantic reaction to missing one. And I thought at that moment, I was like, this feels like he's going to just absolutely it, – like, it's going to just spiral out of control from here tonight. And then he hit the first three, and I was like, okay, he got together. Good for him. But it goes out the window when you miss the game winner, not once. But twice, like that—that that was an absolute disaster, Josh. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's some questions there. I also think too, we want Stefanski sometimes to take the points. He's not going to be encouraged to take the points more often when he's tied up in that dilemma of do I kick the field goal or do I go for two with what the analytics tell me, or do I or not go for two but go for it on fourth down in the red zone. Like he's not—it's—it's it's an easy decision for, decision for him, and maybe sometimes a decision that doesn't work out because he almost has to go for it if he doesn't trust his kicker. I agree with you 100%. It puts it puts conflict and it puts that trust issue in his kicker in those yeah. situations. Yeah. All right, Josh, I appreciate the call, man. And look, Stefanski can sit there and say he trusts him and he's not worried about it, but. The proof is in the pudding. If you're if you're in the red zone and you're opting to not kick the field goal over and over and over again, yeah, I get part of it's the analytics, but the other part of it is maybe he just really doesn't trust his kicker. I want that decision to be easy. I want it to be like, oh, this is a money field goal. Let's take the points. Even though the analytics maybe tell us something different. Even occasionally, I want him to be able to have that option. I don't think I'm confident in that. I don't think Kevin Stefanski, he can sit down in front of a microphone and say he is. There's no way he's resting easy at night. There's just no way. By the way, and I teased this earlier, Demetrik Felton, I think right now, is your number three running back. But I caught this from Nathan Zagura on the broadcast last night where he was talking about how basically he doesn't know if the third running back is even on this roster right now. And he had an interesting name that he threw out there during the broadcast. Check this out. 
Trey Sermon's no stranger to Buckeye fans. Back in 2020, in eight games, 870 yards, four touchdowns, averaged seven and a half. And he went to the Niners, and everybody thought it was going to work out with Kyle. He's talented, and he's a guy Browns fans. Keep an eye on him if he doesn't make this final roster here in Philadelphia for the Browns. Audio courtesy, of course, of uh, the Browns Radio Network, our our own station here, 92 to the fan. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking because Sermon, and listen, I know he scored the touchdown shortly after I think Nathan made that comment, but they have a surplus of running backs on their roster, and there's just no way that they can keep all of them. Swift is there. uh, Gainwell is there. Miles Sanders is there. So there's a pretty good chance that Sermon could get released. And listen, if Nathan is putting a nugget like that out on the game broadcast, it's for a reason. I have to believe that he knows something from inside the building about what this team is thinking and where their heads are at. I like the idea of Trey Sermon. I really, really do. I know he had some fumble issues and some injury issues in San Francisco, but I think I'd be on board with making him. I mean, he's only your third string running back. I'd love it if they could get him. We'll see what happens with that. But keep in mind, maybe the Browns don't have their third string running back on the roster yet. This is the time to follow the Browns. So make sure you follow the Browns on the Odyssey app to get all the audio from 92 to the fan pushed to your phone. Plus, if you miss anything from our live shows, check out the chapters labeled by our producers so you can search for every single segment you want. Make sure you download the Odyssey app. Follow the Browns throughout the season. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, we look back on some of the best segments from today's shows in the fan focus.